Hey, everybody, and welcome to Learning from Smart People. I am your host, Rob Oliver, and I am absolutely sure that you are going to learn something today because I have another smart person with me. Her name is Michelle Thompson. After suffering a stroke at the age of 36, Michelle has turned her trial into a way to serve people. She now teaches others the power of outsourcing and delegation. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Rob. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So part of the reason I wanted to have you here is because of your backstory. Just um, as a person with a disability, I am all about you know people who have gone through difficult experiences in their life and say, listen, I, this was a learning experience for me. This has it has changed the way that I engage the world, but it has not essentially changed the nature of who I am. Does that make sense to you? So, Absolutely. Okay. So do you mind if we start with just that? Tell me a little bit about your backstory and, and what happened. Yeah, sure. So I was actually a project controls engineer for a large construction company. Um, and I was at work one day and all of a sudden the computer screen went blank and, uh, I thought my computer screen was broken <laughs> right? and, uh, and then I turned and looked at the wall and, uh, the black spot followed me and I was like, Oh, that's not good. Um, and, uh, long story short, what happened was I had uh, a blood clot that went to my brain and actually cut off oxygen for the guess is three to five minutes. Um, so I'm actually super, super lucky that I'm still here. And, um, but during that time, I was left with a significant amount of brain damage. And so it was almost like somebody had just uh, taken everything I had ever learned about math and vocabulary and just erased it mm. like from a board. It was crazy. And uh, and so it took about um, three years to uh, get better. Um, I had I had slurred speech and was dragging my side and things like that. But. The nice part was, was that I was only 36 when I had it. So I still had a young, healthy brain. Um, and I still do have that permanent brain damage, but I, I've been able to um, compensate and learn how to um, take the stuff that I normally would have done myself and um, delegate it either to a, a piece of software or another person so that um, I'm able to live a, a relatively normal life. Yeah. And, you know, I think what you're saying there is it's just what people do when you're faced with adversity. You have, you have two options. You, um, you either look for the opportunities, um, or you look, look for the excuses. And you sound like one of those people who is not looking for excuses. Uh, you're looking for how do I, how do I get to where I want to be regardless of what those limitations are, regardless of, of what it is that I face. So, that's, I mean, thank you for sharing that story. It is, it's a, it's an inspiration, but it's also a reminder that, listen, to me, everybody's got limitations. Everybody's got issues. And it's how we, how we handle those that determines how our life goes. It determines our success, our satisfaction, our quality of life, really. And so, I mean, I'd honestly, I'd love to tell you that I was always like sunshine and roses about it. And I wasn't. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, it was it was rough for the first two years. And I finally had to I had one of my physical therapists who basically had like a come to Jesus meeting with me and said, Michelle, if you don't stop wallowing. Yeah. You know, why are you here? And uh, and so she's like, you are so lucky that you live now versus 70 years ago 
when we could, we don't have the technology that we have today. And she's like, you know, buck up and let's do something with your life. And, um, and that was the kick in the pants that I needed. Sure. It, it's so interesting to hear you say that because I, a couple of things, number one, for me with spinal cord injury, really, if I, if it had been a hundred years ago, if it had been, I, it, it would have been fairly unlikely that I would have survived my injury at all. Um, if it had been 70 years ago, I would have survived, but they, there were complications that they couldn't handle at that point. And my survival timeline would have been probably two to three years at, at tops. And now with the technology, the medicine, the advancements, all of that, I, I have the ability to live, you know, what would be considered a, a normal lifespan, which is kind of a, an amazing thing. So uh, the other piece is I actually, I spent six months in therapy, so I, I know what you're talking about a little bit. And I just got in touch with my physical therapist from, uh, you know, 20, almost 28 years ago now uh, to, and talking to her and just reconnecting with her. It's really a kind of fun thing to, to look back and to see the people that were formative in helping me get where I am. Now I could probably, you and I could probably share stories about this stuff all day long, but that's, that's kind of the qualification for why I was so intrigued to have you on the show. But the other piece is that you have insight, as you said, about delegation and about, you know, getting some, getting some help to get your work done apart from you. So let's talk about that. What, like, how did you discover this? Is it something that you were aware of before you had your stroke? Or is it something that kind of, as you were work processing after the stroke, this is something that you found? Yeah. So I had kind of started delegating and outsourcing probably 10 or 15 years ago. Um, but I never did it well because I always felt like nobody could do the job as good as I could. Right. And so I'd give it to somebody and then I'd take it back and I'd be like, Oh, that's not how I wanted it done. And, um, what happened was with the, with the stroke, it, it literally forced me to have to learn how to, to delegate and outsource correctly because I was either going to lose everything and, um, or I was going to figure it out. And so, um, I think that's why I call it, you know, a, a, the stroke was actually a huge blessing in disguise because it forced me to like take my fingers and, and pry them loose from the tasks that, you know, only I could do. Yeah. You, you hit it on the nose that I, so I had a guest on that, that enlightened me about this and it's the concept that what happens to you is neither good nor bad. It is all in how you react to it and how, what your response is to it, which I think is a, a very valuable thing. So you were, you were doing this, you weren't doing it well. And now you're saying, okay, um, I'm going to, I'm going to take these tasks and I don't have a choice. Okay. But I'm also thinking that there's gotta be a very, very real communication issue that, that comes with working with outsourcing where you're, you have to communicate. First of all, you have to find out what you're going to delegate. Then you have to find out who you're going to delegate it to. And then there has to be a conveyance of expectations, which is, I'm sorry, a really complicated way to say, I think that's called training, right? Um, so can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah. And you know, what's funny is everything that you said, um, I made 
way more difficult than it needed to be. Uh, when you break it down to its simplicity, um, it really doesn't have to be challenging. The biggest challenge is that we expect people to be mind readers. Even when we don't think we expect them to be mind readers, we think we're explaining it really well. And um, we're leaving out all these little micro decisions that we instantaneously make. And so um, what you're, so, so yes, um, the very first thing that I have people do is go through a time audit. And so what we do is we take a look at every single thing that you're doing for a week. And we're going to ask ourselves three very important questions. Uh, the first question is, if I stop doing this altogether, what happens? What is the consequence? And if it's not earth shattering and my business is going to fall apart, then the question becomes, does it make sense to keep doing this? Or should I just delete that task altogether? Because so many times we've taken on tasks and we just keep doing them because it's what we've always done. But we've never actually measured to see what happens if we stop, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so ironically, you will probably get rid of 20% of the things that you do just by asking that question. Okay. Then the second question that we ask is, you know, is this something that I physically must do myself or, and this sounds like a, a horrible way to put this, but it kind of puts it in perspective. If you knew that you were going to be hit with a Mack truck tomorrow and you weren't going to be here, and you wanted to pass off that information to somebody else, how would you download your brain so that that information could continue because you're no longer going to be here? And when you put your brain in that situation, it gets very creative. And so many times we're like, oh, yeah, no, we can't do that. Um, but what we'll find is we can do part of it, right? We can, we can outsource part of it or we can outsource all of it. We just have to get a little creative. Um, and I can give you some examples if you'd like. Yeah, that'd be um, great. Okay, so let's say, for example, um, you know, people are like, well, nobody can do my email but me. Okay, so here's a great solution that I had um, where we were able to partially delegate the email. Uh, what happened was I had um, a coach who had his virtual assistant go through his email and what she would do is she would record a very quick five minute loom video that said, Rob needs the answer to this. Jack needs the answer to this. Where do we go to find this? And she would literally go through the 30 emails that he had to respond to. And she would just ask the questions. He would then hit record and he would answer, tell Rob this exactly, send this to Jack, schedule this for this and send her that video, she would then go through transcribe it all and answer every single one of those emails. So what used to take him two or three hours a day takes him literally five minutes. I, I love the idea that she is basically sorting through it all, condensing it all. And, and I would imagine that it's also very cost effective because as the, you know, whatever, whatever his position is, I'm assuming that his hourly rate is going to be significantly higher than her hourly rate. And yes. so for her to take two or three hours to do this and then to reduce it to a task that takes five or 10 minutes for him, it's such a cost savings measure. Right. And you're, you're absolutely right. You, you, you hit the nail on the head in that once we've taken all of our tasks, right, the next thing we need to do is ask ourselves am I doing a task that I could pay somebody $20 an hour to do? 
you know, and if, if I'm billing at, you know, $250, $500, you know, who cares if it takes them three hours to do it when it only takes you five minutes, you freed up your brain capacity as something you don't have to worry about. You can then go do your superpower, what you're really good at. Um, and then you're, you know, so you paid $60 for that as opposed to it took you three hours billing at $500 an hour. That's what $1,500, right? Right. So let me just, let me just reiterate what I heard you say and, and you make sure that I understood as you're doing the time audit, you are looking at things, things that are marginal and can be let go that, that these don't have a real impact on my business or the impact is, is very slight. Then you're looking at things that are on the other end of the spectrum, that these are the things that I, I have to do and only I can do. And then you're looking at the things in the middle that say, okay, these are things that need to get done and um, I could do them or I could share them even though it's good. It may take me a little bit of creativity to figure them out. It, did I properly sum that up? Yeah. And, um, I probably didn't do the greatest of job explaining the, the hybrid in between. Um, it's, you know, all the admin tasks or bookkeeping tasks or research tasks or preparing for meetings, all that stuff that somebody else could do. Um, you shouldn't be doing right. Not, not only is it an hour, but it's brain capacity thing. Okay. Um, like the hourly rate, but, but also the brain capacity. And so, um, what we want to do is even though it'll feel very uncomfortable because we're so used to, if we're not busy, then um, we're not working hard enough. We're not producing for the GDP. And so therefore we're lazy. Right. And that's not necessarily right. We just need to work smarter versus harder. Um, and, uh, and so what, what we need to do is basically figure out what can we get off of our plate and then how we get off our plate is super simple. Um, People make it, you know, really complicated. But what I have my clients do is I make them record a five to 10 minute video for every single task because they're already currently doing the tasks right before they get rid of it. They've got to do it. And so I just have say, hey, grab Zoom, share your screen and talk us through the process step by step why you're doing it. And then all those micro decisions that you're making, you know, let us in on all that information mm -hmm. so that we know okay, I didn't pick this picture because I don't like that color. And I didn't pick this one because I don't like the pose of his arms or something, something, whatever, weird, right? right? And so then what we do is we actually take that video and we have our virtual assistant, not us, <laughs> turn it into a standard operating procedure. And so what they'll do is they'll go through that video and take screenshots and literally create a point and click to duplicate that task exactly as you would have done it with all the um, nuances of your business. And that's where the real magic is. And, the, and you know, anybody can create a graphic, but what we want to do is, you know, we need to know your brand. We need to know what your business is about. What is your mission? What is, what is your heart? And that's all the stuff that we need to download from your brain to get into the standard operating procedures. And that's what, that's where the magic really is. And that's how it becomes um, super simple to be able to hand off and, and create procedures without even realizing it. I, I love it. It's, it's kind of, you have to become self-aware and say, okay, let me actually record myself doing this. Let me share my thoughts as I'm doing it. Um, just from your personal experience, are there, 
are there kind of low-lying fruit type um, type activities that a lot of people can can typically delegate um, that you know that are kind of standard, or are they divided up that you know depending on what business you're in, there are it changes. Yeah, there's. Um typically some low hanging fruit out there that are really quick wins. It'll get you a lot of your time back. And what we try to do is not just free up your time, but also have them do revenue generating activities. Um, so for example, um, you shouldn't be doing any type of like social media outreach. Please don't create your own graphics. Don't look up your own quotes. Um, you know, ha- have, have someone else do that for you. Um, any type of lead generation, right? If you're on LinkedIn or you're on Facebook or, or whatever that is, you should be outsourcing and delegating all that until the conversation actually starts happening. And then you go in and build the relationship, but you shouldn't be going in and find the lead. Um, any type of, uh, you know, calendar management, email management, keeping a database up to date, uh, updating your CRM, um, any type of uh, data entry into your bookkeeping, tracking invoices, tracking billing, who's paid, who hasn't paid. Um, you really shouldn't be doing any of that stuff. That's stuff that you can outsource for $20, $30 an hour, and it's going to give you back a ton of your time. And we really don't want you in the business. We want you working on the business. Okay. And is the, is what you're talking about all based on a physical person to do this? Is there software that can help? What are the, how do you do that? And how do you kind of find the, the difference there? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, so once we go through our time audit and we have our list of, of you know, the, the tasks that need to be done, uh, but I don't necessarily have to do, Um, then what I do is I ask people, uh, you know, is there a piece of software that can do this for me or does a human have to do it? And so what I've found is there's usually a really good hybrid where I can get a piece of software to get it about 80% done. And then you need a human to come in and, and fine tune it. Um, so for example, um, there's like for social media management, that is like a huge time suck. right? Right. Um, and so there's programs out there like Hootsuite and Buffer, um, social be meet Edgar. I don't care which one you use. They all do the exact same thing. And so what we can do is we can have our VA go in and schedule everything and put it in, in our little content buckets. And then what happens is the piece of software just automatically posts it. Uh, so the, the, the VA is doing the work on the front end and then the software is running it on the back end. Okay. And, and what I'm assuming happens there is that the VA puts, instead of the VA having to do something Every single day of the week, they're able to take one day, devote a couple of hours to it, and then it it feeds itself for the rest of the week or the month or however that, that timeline set up. Is, is that what you're Correct. saying? Yeah. And what I try to do with my, my assistants is I will try to time block those tasks for them. So we'll say, okay, the first Monday of the month is going to be social media day. And then, you know, the very end of the month, that's going to be, um, you know, invoice reconciliation or whatever. And so what we do is rather than them having to flip back and forth between, you know, 18 different tasks every single day, can we batch it for them? Because what happens is they end up being way more effective than we put it in a piece of software, let the piece of software run, do its thing. Um, and, uh, and so we end up becoming efficient on both sides. Okay. And, and yeah, so I think what you're saying is, is great because you're saying they're on one task instead of being on one task for, let's just say 20 minutes a day 
um, for five days a week, you know, which ends up being a hundred minutes by the time that you go in and you open the software and you do the thing. And then, um, if you have them just do that for one hour for 60 minutes, one day, um, it's, it's much more efficient and it gets done in a much more timely manner. Okay. Um, some of the things that we're talking about, like social media management is something that needs to be done over and over and over again on a repeated basis. Are there some things that are like just a, a one-time project that can also be done that way? Is that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So, um, when I'm talking about making videos and things like that, I'm talking about repetitive tasks that are going to happen all the time, but let's say you have a one-off task. Like let's say your company needs to build a software app. Um, it would not make sense for you to create a whole (laughs) video when you're only going to do it once. Right. So for our one-off tasks, um, we definitely don't want to hire like a forever virtual assistant for that. We want to, you know, typically go to, um, oh geez, if it's video editing, I go to like Fiverr or something, but if it's like a a software, um, I'm probably going to go to, oh my gosh, I can't think of the word right now. Upwork. Upwork. Okay. Or, or yeah, freelance, something like that. Um, and the way that I do that is, you know, let's say it's something that I have no idea how to do. Um, I'll typically test them and I use a piece of software called testgorilla.com. It's amazing. So you can pay $7 per test and you can go into Upwork and you can say, Hey, here's the proposal in order to get this job. I need you to take this test. And so then you know if their skills are actually really on par uh, before you award them the project. And then it's only, you know, that one time and it's one and done. Okay. I I love it. I was not aware. I like, I'm aware of, Upwork and Fiverr and that, um, but I wasn't aware that you could actually test people on their skill, you know, on their skills. Now, how does how does that test work? Is it something that you say I want them to do a project using using this type of interface, and or how does the testing work? Yeah, so it's going to test their general knowledge. Um, so if you had like you know something specific that you wanted them to do, and you knew. Um, you know, let's say, you know, you are a coder and you know how to code and you're like, I want you to go in and duplicate this. Um, and you know, I don't know, I'm not a coder, so I can't tell you, but, um, uh, you could create a one-off project and have them just do that little tiny piece to see if they know what they're, what they're doing. Um, or you could use, I, I use test gorilla for, um, testing things that I don't know how to do. So, um, so for example, when we hire a, a, a virtual assistant, um, we we have a crazy vetting system. Uh, we make them go through um, six different phases before they're able to be hired. Um, and so I will actually use very similar, the, almost the exact same vetting system uh, when I'm hiring somebody on Upwork too. It's just, it's a, it's a, a smaller hybrid okay. <laughs> version. Yeah. Right. If that makes any sense. It does make a lot of sense. All right. I'm imagining that people are out there are saying like, okay, you've, you've got me intrigued. I'm thinking maybe I've thought of a couple tasks that I may be able to delegate. I'm, I'm, you've given me some suggestions for things that I may be able to do and, and ways that I may be able to do it, but I've got no idea where to find these people. Can you, can you help out and say, all right, this is where I might be able to, to find 
a VA to hire? Yeah, great question. So um, if you're looking for um, admin or uh, call center type work, uh, the Philippines is a great place to look. Um, I specifically use onlinejobs.ph. That's the job board that I use. There's nothing magical about that. It's the same thing as Career Builder, Indeed, Monster. You're going to get good stuff. You're going to get crap. You're going to have to weed through it to find to find the diamonds in the rough. Um, if you're looking for uh, computer programming, right? Uh, I typically don't go to the Philippines for that. I'm going to go to. Um, uh, I. I want to use the word Russia. I know it's like a hundred different right. little countries now, but um, so the, the former, Eastern the former Europe, USSR, exactly the former USSR, um, and also India. Those okay. are great places for like coding. Um, now, if you wanted a website built, you could still go to the Philippines for that. Um, if you need a Spanish-speaking virtual assistant, um, I would definitely take a look at Mexico. Um, and you can find, you know, all of those on like Upwork or, or something like that. And you can filter by their region. Um, it's just usually each area of the world kind of has their specialty and how they outsource. Um, since our agency is uh, where we concentrate primarily on lead generation and admin type tasks, um, I do 100% of my hiring out of the Philippines. And it, it just works great because of the culture um, and, and who they are as people. I love it. Okay. Now you had mentioned a, a pay rate of like 20 to $30 an hour. Is that what you're paying in the Philippines or is it a little bit less than that? Or how does that work? Yeah. Great question. So the U S dollar to Filipino peso conversion rate is very favorable in the United States. The thing that drives me nuts is when people are like, Oh, I can go hire somebody for $2 an hour. Um, that is not a livable wage for them. And, and so what we did was with our company, we, we took everything that we hated about outsourcing and we flipped it on its head. Okay. And, uh, and so we said, all right, let's pay them the equivalent to about $50,000 a year in the United States. Um, let's give them a pension. Let's give them health benefits. Let's, let's give them, you know, paid time off and, and all that stuff. So we've actually structured a, um, a whole benefits package for them where you could have somebody working full time for you, give them all of those benefits. And it, it costs you about $900 a month in us dollars, um, which is incredibly, um, affordable for us, but also gives them a very, very livable wage. Uh, so that's, that's legitimately like paying, you know, $50,000 for an admin here in the United States. It's, it's the same conversion. I, and I love it that you're being, I mean, socially conscious and paying a livable wage, which is just because, just because they live outside the United States doesn't mean that, um, they are cheap labor. And I, I'm assuming then, you know, when you're paying, when you're paying pennies on the dollar, um, sometimes there's an expectation of lower quality work, but when you're paying, when it's a, a livable wage and you're paying somebody well, that you're getting a, you're more likely to get a higher and or a higher product out of it. Is that? Absolutely. Um, so some of my virtual assistants are more educated than I am and I have my MBA. Um, so some of them have PhDs. A lot of them have MBAs. They at least have a bachelor's. Uh, so we're not talking about somebody who, you know, um, they speak English very well. They write English very well. They're uh, we're talking about the, the cream of the crop. 
okay. of, you know, what we're looking for. Um, and the cool part is, is that, you know, if we're able to pay $6 an hour for the admin work, now we can afford to pay 50 to $75 an hour for skilled work in the United States and hire people in the United States for that skilled work. I, fantastic. I, I love it. Listen, you have been wonderful. If people want to learn more about you, more about your business, uh, where can they find you? Yeah, it's real easy. Uh, if you just want to go to awesomeoutsourcing.co, C-O. Um, we own the .com too. but uh, and uh, Or you can just shoot me an email. It's Michelle with two L's, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E at awesomeoutsourcing.com. On there, you'll find a cool little task discovery, which is that kind of time audit I was talking to you about. And uh, there's a couple of videos that'll kind of walk you through how to, um, you know, how to how to decipher everything. Um, we'll even actually hop on a phone call with you and help you create like a, a you know, an action plan of okay, here's here's what we got to delegate first for you. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Michelle. I, this has been very interesting, and I think it's a way that we can all, especially solopreneurs, all increase our productivity. And as you said, it's not just a money suck. It actually is. You're able to get people involved in revenue, revenue generating activities. It's wonderful. I Thank you. It is now time for three questions to establish your humanity. Are you ready for these, my friend? I am ready. Hit me. Uh, what was the last movie that you watched? Passengers. And, and what did you think? I loved it. I, I watch that movie all the time. How cool would it be to be like in space, right? Stuck on a ship and you just have Arthur to feed you drinks all day long. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What is your proudest accomplishment? I think the fact that we brought um, a socially acceptable way to outsource to the world. And rightly so that that is a, a great accomplishment. All right. Last question. What are your top three side dishes for a summer barbecue? So, uh, you know, if you're doing a cookout in the backyard, what are, th and you can either give them to me in order, or you can give them to me in, in random order. These are the three essentials that you have to have when you're cooking out in the backyard. Oh yeah. So um, I don't like mayonnaise, so mine are going to be weird. That's okay. <laughs> so you got to have baked beans. Absolutely. And you got to make your own baked beans with like the hamburger in it and all that good fun stuff. Yeah. Then uh, second, um, you got to have like good homemade salsa and chips. It's just, um, and third, you, if you're at a barbecue, you got to have a good watermelon, man. Excellent. All right. So I am right with you on this. I'm not a mayonnaise person. So I, we are kindred spirit on this. Uh, here's the question though. And that is, do you salt your watermelon or no salt on the watermelon? Oh my gosh. I know that's such a hard camp. I don't salt my watermelon, okay. but I know a lot of people that do and they say it's really good. I just have never tried it. <laughs> so my, I have family that lives in, in the Southeast United States and they are all huge salt on your watermelon proponents and they say it makes it juicier and all kinds of stuff and i'm just like it may make it juicier but it's still there's a taste there that i'm not really um, it wasn't what i was expecting and yeah so yeah. completely agreed michelle thompson thank you so much for being with me today i appreciate you sharing it's been it's been very insightful you are indeed smart and you have established that you are indeed a person 
For all my listeners, thank you for being here today. I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have. And I will remind you that when you stop learning, you stop living. Have a great day, everybody.